All right, so today we are studying Ezekiel 28. The lesson's title is Warns. And we are looking at a memory verse that says, Ezekiel 28, verse 26. I wrote down the whole thing. They will live there securely, build houses and plant vineyards. They will live securely when I execute judgments against all their neighbors who treat them with contempt. And then they will know that I am the Lord their God. So our aim in our lesson says God offers grace to the humble and he brings down the proud. So the memory verse put me off to thinking about security this week as I was thinking about it and reading it. A key word in our world, we think about security. I think a lot of us are concerned about security. So we would like to have some measure of security that we know that we're safe, that we that tomorrow has some parameters. We all put away a little money in the bank to try to have a future where we know that we can pay our bills and that we can buy food. But we also know that there are things that are unknown to us in the realm of security. So no matter how much money you put in the bank or how much you've made preparation, that things in this world, in this temporal world that we live in, can come along and they can change everything. So anyone who's lost possessions from a fire, from a natural disaster, or anyone who's lived through the stock market crashes that we've all experienced knows that suddenly one day things look like this and the next day things look very differently. So that kind of security is very different versus eternal security. And I think we have to always keep that in mind because we are really serving a God who loves us and who has prepared for us eternal security through his grace. So we've been looking at some lessons and we've looked at judgment and we've known now Ezekiel has let the exiles know, the people that he preaches to know that judgment is coming to Jerusalem. And today we're going to see that he moves along a little further with his prophecy and he prophesies the judgment of the nations who were actually used by God's sovereignty to take Israel down, that those nations would also be judged for their wickedness. Because we know that God actually reigns over all. He reigns over all that there is. Everything is providential in his care. He is sovereign, and the nations have to be in that sovereignty. So whether or not they acknowledge his sovereignty, they are being used by God. There's something comforting about that when it's not your person in the White House or it's not your policy that's being implemented. Yet to know that God, sovereign God, is in control of the universe and that whether or not it's right, there will be judgment coming for those things that are wicked and that are done, that cause so much pain and suffering in this world. So Ezekiel then has to prophesy the coming judgment of these countries, Ammon, Moab, Edom, and the Philista. 
So these nations celebrated Judah's, Judah's fall. They participated and were helpful to the Babylonians. They assisted the Babylonian conquest. You know, everybody, when world events start to happen, you see it still in our culture today. When world events start to happen, you see the countries start to align with the purposes and the ideas of a, of a certain group. And this group will line this way, and this group will line this way. That's what happened in the days where Babylon had begun these conquests where eventually they took over Jerusalem. There would be eventually the, okay, I see what you're doing here. I'm going to be on your side, Babylon, because <laughs> I don't want to go down with them. They're going, I'm not going down with the ship. And so they abandoned Israel. They made it easier for Judah to fall. And Ezekiel has to share the news then that those nations also would be punished. And we're focusing today on a city called Tyre. It's a city in Phoenicia. And that particular city uh, would really receive God's judgment. And this chapter is very interesting because it has some pictures in it of the fall of Satan out of heaven. Some people say this is a picture of that as well as a picture of the doom of Tyre. So you kind of have several things happening, which is often what happens in prophecy. The prophet is telling something that literally is going to happen in real time. This is happening. Tyre, you're going to fall. But also they're being given words that the meaning goes far beyond that. It goes even further to tell us things that, that will help us understand good versus evil. And so the commentators were all over the place on this, so I don't want to leave that piece out. I think we can teach this very literally, Tyre was fallen. But there are some pictures of what happened to Satan as he was pushed out of heaven for abandoning God and, and being wicked that we get from this picture of a king in Tyre. So the first passage is the past glory, and we're looking at Ezekiel 28, verses 11 through 15. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, lament for the king of Tyre and say to him, This is what the Lord God says. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every kind of precious stone covered you, Carnelian, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and emerald. Your mountings and settings were crafted in gold. They were prepared on the day you were created. You were an anointed guardian cherub, for I had appointed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked among the fiery stones. From the day you were created, you were blameless in your ways until wickedness was found in you. So if you listen to that language, it's very flowery and it has a lot of images in it. And that's why I think there's this, these visions of much more than this king of Tyre. There's all those also visions of Adam, the first man who also fell from his good place in the Garden of Eden for the same reason, pride. And then our great angel Lucifer who became Satan who was also fallen. So we see really the pictures of fallenness coming because of pride. So the word Tyre means sharp rock, and the city of Tyre is north of Jerusalem, and it was a beautiful harbor city. It was actually an island at the time, 
And so it was surrounded, it had two actual perfect natural harbors that allowed them to be the perfect place for ships to be able to get, bring in their merchandise and then take them out to the rest of the Mediterranean world. So there was another city on the other side, Sidon. And so Sidon and Tyre were known for being the capital places of merchandise and people could get their things to you. So there was an author, Warren Worsby, who said that uh, scripture reveals God's judgment to arrogant rulers, such as Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, and Herod Agrippa. World leaders who ignore the Lord and act as if they are God will be exposed and judged. So it would make sense that Tyre, which was this great commercial harbor and very, very wealthy, would have leadership that would be very, you know, reaping the benefit of all of that wealth that would have prestige, that would feel powerful because of the things that they have. And so this quote that when you get that high, it's almost like you're inevitable to fall. And so that's what we see is that there was a judgment coming to the king of Tyre. In fact, as Diane read the scripture, God says to Ezekiel, lament for this king. Now, already in verses, I mean, in chapters 26 and 27, Ezekiel, we had uh, already predicted the doom of Tyre, the city, the Tyre, that it was going down. But now God is really focusing on the king, the leader, leadership that's going down and that there should be mourning. Lament means to mourn. Be sad. Feel the pain of it. Look at the story in horror. Recognize that it's awful. We do that. We do that all the time. We listen to the news stories and we suffer with the event that we're watching. We see the sadness of that event and our our emotions are provoked. I was thinking of, of some movies that I've watched during the holiday. I got on the on demand and I found the movie of that little boy that was drowned and they didn't think he would live. And I watched the drama of that play out in a movie where there was prayer for him and, and, and people wrote him off and they were they took him off life support three or four times at you know, but God had decided to rescue him. But I lamented, I mourned through that mama's suffering. I mourned as I watched the church and the fellow classmates suffer. That is what we do when we hear a sad story. Thankfully, the story I was watching, I always like to watch movies with a happy ending. God raised that boy up, saved him. It was against all the odds. Everybody that looked on it had to recognize that it was God of the universe that had to have intervened. Doctors, the, the one that had started the resuscitation for him and had to call it when the mother came in and began her prayer, wrote in his journal, he was dead. And his mother prayed. And then he was alive. And then the doctor who took care of him for several weeks as they tried to save his life, his brain had been without oxygen for more than 15 minutes, said there's no medical explanation. So to God be the glory came from that movie. 
but I suffered and I mourned as I watched the people, as I saw their pain. And that's what we do when we hear sad stories. The world would look on and they would see Tyre go down and they would see this king who had been everybody's man, everybody who was somebody thought that this was the king of all kings and this would happen to him. So Tyre is known historically as having been friendly to Israel. So in the scripture, we have seen King Solomon reach out to this great harbor town, and that's where he had gotten the wood to be able to build King Solomon's temple. So there was always a friendly relationship there. And then we saw later that King Ahab um, actually married a princess, a daughter of one of the kings from Tyre, and she was infamous. Her name was Jezebel. So we know then and have and could see in history that all along Tyre was friendly with the nation. It was a Phoenician town, though, and they worshipped the Canaanite gods. They never were on God's side. They never practiced God's faith. They, they were friendly with Israel. They saw Israel, but they never adopted any of Israel's ways. And so we know Jezebel was a bad influence on, on the nation of Israel. So we know that um, one of the things that made ancient Tyre very, very rich that was very interesting to me was that they, they were responsible for pushing out and marketing a purple dye for clothing that became known just for those who were royalty because nobody could afford it. It was made out of shellfish. The purple was made out of murex shellfish. And I think it took 10,000 shellfish to make one garment. And so it was very, very expensive. And so then it began to be a connection with royalty to have the Tyrrhenian purple on. So the culture was spoiled, self-satisfied, wealthy. They had um, all the, whatever was the latest, greatest was happening in Tyre. They had all the money, they had the latest inventions, they had the things that people wanted. It said, the Bible says that the people of Tyre were overly confident and overly proud of the wealth and beauty, and the word comes up again, security. So there you are. We can feel like we have all of this security based on false premises like wealth, which can go away in a moment's time, Beauty, which we know disintegrates as you age. <laughs> and we know that security is also very positional according to the world changing at all times. It seems there is always one nation ready to gobble up another nation, that there has been always enmity between the nations. As much as we would like to think the United States is so safe, we know that it can be just a moment in time and everything can change from one moment to another. We've seen the national disasters, but we also know terrorism and decisions by leaders can make such huge differences. So Ezekiel prophesied um, in Ezekiel 26.3 that many nations will come against Tyre. Tyre had become a little bit jealous and, and had become a rivalry to 
Jerusalem. They had joined hands with the Babylonians. And so in chapter 26 of Ezekiel, he says, Tyre, you're going down. You're going to, your nations, many nations, it says, is going to come against you. And then in Ezekiel 26, verse 4, it says, your walls and your towers will be tossed down. And in verse 6, it says, your settlements will be slaughtered. And in verse 7, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar will come against Tyre. And the history books tell us that King Nebuchadnezzar spent 13 years in a siege against Tyre. So it was just one of those places that was well fortified. So it was harder to get them. It was another reason they had this false sense of security. That we can think we're so strong and we're so mighty and we have everything under control. But it's a false sense of security. So Tyre did go down. The archaeological records say that Tyre went down in the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar. And if that wasn't enough fulfillment of the scripture... So we often see with the prophecy, there is an immediate fulfillment, very quickly some fulfillment of prophecy. And Ezekiel was close to that prophecy being fulfilled. But there also can be future fulfillments. And we know that Tyre was one of the places that Alexander the Great took it upon himself to destroy, to take it apart brick by brick. So um, it was still a fortress. It was still hard to conquer. And Alexander the Great became more and more determined to take it down. So the prophecy of it literally being tossed into the sea was fulfilled a couple of hundred years later when Alexander the Great got so angry at not being able to take them down that he basically changed it from an island to a peninsula, building a land bridge over to the island and then once they got there, they still couldn't get them. And so nations from all over the world joined in hands, and they had more than 250 ships surrounding that island, that peninsula, was what it took to finally take them down to the point that he burned it down, threw their towers into the ocean, killed thousands of people. He was so angry because it, they had stood against him and his power and his owning the power and the prestige of everything that happened in the Mediterranean Sea. So we see that God warns of destruction. He tells us what's going to happen, and then history proves that it happens. That was a very dramatic story, and history has definitely shown us that there was a past glory for the king of Tyre. So he has been, the scripture says, set up for, for the best of situations. So this is where we get into the scripture seeming really similar to Adam and really similar to the situation that Satan was in. His problem was his pride, but his good, his blessing was everything that God had given him. And it's where we start out thinking that anything that we have that's blessing our lives right now today isn't from God. That's where we start getting into trouble. And so we will definitely know that King Tyre got into trouble because he became proud. He began to think that he also was a God. And we saw that in the Ancient of Days. Today we're a little bit less explicit about it, but we are very humanistic where we create ourselves into little gods. 
But these kings set themselves up many times as gods. And so he had all this former possession. Adam had it, Satan had it in heaven, and the king of Tyre had it. Wisdom, because they had being blessed by God to be made in his image. Beauty, because Eden, the imagery in the scripture here is Eden, the Garden of Eden where everything was perfect. Tyre had everything he needed for him to be successful. It was like this perfect little harbor where there was no way the city could fail except for poor leadership, which is what happened. So we think that the literal king of Tyre at this time was Itabal II, and he had pride that was similar to Satan's, who was at the, who was set up. We have the symbol of a um, of someone who is right there at the throne of God, and then cast away because of their pride. So either the pride of Adam, the pride of Satan, the pride of Tyre, all are going to be condemnation. So we see this precious story then where. This king is pictured as having stones on his chest. And this is another imagery from the history of Israel where the high priest would have these beautiful stones across his chest. They would be the most precious stones that were available. Each of them are described in very specific terms to be on the high priest's chest. And each of them are describing in very described in certain terms in the Revelation as we see what heaven will be like. These very specific, beautiful stones, only created by a holy God of the universe, have to denote that that is God's blessing. The high priest only could wear these. That means you've been chosen. If you ever wanted to have a, a lesson that says that God is pro-life, he's, he's chosen us before we're born. He already has a plan for us. He set this king of Tyre up for this perfect situation where he would have the honor to be a leader in this. That he, nothing here that is represented in this imagery was of this king's doing. This is God's blessing to him. If we get up every morning and we look around and we recognize that not one thing that is around us is of our doing, not one thing that makes the grass grow and the trees provide shelter was of our doing, that the sun came up, that the temperature has been perfect these last days to just be outside and enjoy, that the rain comes down and nourishes the flowers. Not one of those things is of our doing. When we get up every morning and we understand that, then we can be living in peace with God. But when we get up and we're arrogant and we say, I caused that, I'm in charge of that, I know how to tell the weather, I can see the weather, I can predict it, I'm in charge of the weather. When we start that kind of thing, God looks at us and laughs. What are you thinking, human, that I made? So we see that the beautiful position and power that God is sovereign was all was pictured in the scripture as just recognizing that the high priest had to be taken seriously because God had put that ornament on him, the same as he had put that ornament on this king. God holds us accountable for the influence that we have. Whoever he has put in our lives, we have influence on them. We are accountable for that. So regardless of the fact that God had appointed him for, number one, for purpose, that he would lead this place to be friends with Israel, and number three, to enjoy unimaginable wealth, 
God would judge the king, not because he was wealthy, not because he was wealthy, but because he had wickedness in his heart. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray. See, it comes right down to the human problem with sin for every single person, no matter what your position is. He is not being judged for his wealth. He is not being judged for his position. He was given all of those things as a blessing. The pictures are beautiful. They are pictures that you could only give to the first man or to the to Satan who was sitting at the footstep of, G, of God in heaven. These pictures of just being unimaginably blessed with power. That was not what he's getting condemned for. He's condemned because there's wickedness in his heart. So that takes us to then the rebellion, which is Ezekiel 28, verses 16 through 19. Through the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I expelled you in disgrace from the mountain of God and banished you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud because of your beauty. For the sake of your splendor, you corrupted your wisdom. So I threw you down to the ground. I made you a spectacle before kings. You profaned your sanctuaries by the magnitude of your iniquities in your dishonest trade. So I made fire come from within you, and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of everyone watching you. All those who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have become an object of horror and will never exist again. Wow. Penalties. That's why he needed to be warned. The king would face the penalty of sin. Praise God we don't have to because of Jesus. He is warned that you are wealthy and you are violent. There's probably no time like better than today that we recognize that with wealth comes violence. We see it in the streets of all the cities all over the country where such inequity between the two, when between people has caused violence to strike out. There's differences of opinions that cause violence. People have road rage on the road that cause violence. There's people who steal that causes violence. There's so many things that cause violence among us. And the scripture denounces that. He says the affluence and the violence cannot be tolerated. God says the king of Tyre must be expelled from the affluence that he has had. It's happened over and over in history. We saw Rome fall. We've seen country after country fall. You can rise up to a very great height, and then there can be a plunging down, as in this prophecy, because that is really what takes people out of their security. And it seems that as long as mankind has this false sense of security, we look away, we turn our eyes away from holy God of the universe. It's as the security pulls out from underneath us, we immediately turn to God. We recognize our need for God. So we all have probably felt a little bit of the scariness about things in our world. Right next door, right out of the driveway, some people from South Carolina, I guess, were patrolling the neighborhood and stole the car in the driveway, close to the house, right next door, my sister-in-law's house. 
that makes you feel insecure. You know somebody actually had bad intentions. They were going up and down the road. They were looking for something to steal. And then they got a car and they took off with it right in your neighborhood. But we all know that. It's like that everywhere. When you go to the store, when wherever you are going now, you, you must think a second thought to your safety and security, to what will you do. You have to come up with these plans because in our day and time, our security is not necessarily what it was maybe in a time former. It's been violated. So we have to recognize that that was what would happen to the king of Tyre, that the city would go down, the king would go down, their security that was based on those premises would go down. And Isaiah had already shed a light on this kind of a picture for what had happened to Satan. So that's one of the reasons that they match the scripture up. So they take Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 and a few other scriptures that we have in the psalm. And we get this picture of Satan himself being thrown out of heaven because of pride and because of his own false sense of, abuse, of security. But the king thought himself to be perfect, full of wisdom and beauty. And he is left behind now as an enemy of God. And so we see Tyre's king has been adopted by Satan. He has become his instrument in the world. And God appoints a time when that is over. Now, we do know God is very patient. He gives a long time for salvation. And so for many years, these wicked places would reign. But there would come an end point. And that is what we know about God. We know the end of the story. He gave us that in the Bible. We know the end of the story. God wins. That evil is destroyed. That Satan is eventually destroyed. And we know that he was the anointed cherub that was pictured in this, a guardian of the throne, and he was thrown down. If he was, then none of us would, as a created being, be allowed to condition ourselves and to go on in that way as an image of God, we would have to be corrected. And so that we see happening to the king of Tyre. But we live on the other side of the cross, so we know that God always had intention of saving us and making us whole again. Satan's sin was pride. All of us have the sin of pride. Tyre's king would be judged for pride, and he would be reduced to ashes. So we come then to our last portion of the scripture, which is Ezekiel 28, verses 25 through 26. This is what the Lord God says. When I gathered the house of Israel from the peoples where they are scattered, I will demonstrate my holiness through them in the sight of the nations, and they will live in their own land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. They will live there securely, build houses and plant vineyards. They will live securely when I execute judgments against all their neighbors who treat them with contempt. Then they will know that I am the Lord, their God. Thank you. So our last portion, we finally get to the good part, hope. So we wonder, why does God give us all of these pages and pages of Old Testament where we see Israel stand up and fall, stand up and fall? But as we read it and as we digest it, remember the picture, we're supposed to eat this word. We're supposed to eat it and chew on it and think about it. As we are studying Ezekiel for these weeks and we're chewing on it, we're thinking about it, we're studying it, I think we understand grace all the more. And we understand the hope 
that Jesus provides in our life for eternal security and how it helps us survive this temporal world. Because we have that hope, that is really the word that I need to make myself secure in this world. So Ezekiel says, you're going to be pulled back. The scattered will be brought back. And we know that 70 years of exile, there were about 50,000 of the Jewish people who were brought back and they were able to rebuild the temple and that they were able to maintain some sovereign identity for some amount of years. And then they were scattered again after AD 70. Jesus predicted that and prophesied that. And so had many of the prophets before him. And then Israel was scattered over the corners of the earth. And then in 1948, there was again another regathering of Israel. So we see that prophecy continues to be acted out even in our day. So there can be eventually out of Israel a demonstration of holiness a demonstration of holiness to the nations of the world. Don't you just wonder how this dot on the map, if you look at the whole map of the world, this little tiny little dot on the map still has such significance? Why we care what's happening there, but we care. Every single thing politically that's happening there, we hear about it on the news. The Bible says they will live in their own land, and it's the memory verse, securely. They're going to live there securely. And what does securely look like? Where they can build houses. They can plant vineyards. And while they're doing that, it says God will execute judgments against the neighbors who treat them with contempt. So in other words, Israel, I got your back. I'm going to protect you. And that's prophecy from the Old Testament. So the security that I know that I am with the Lord provides so much comfort. He said, when Israel has this, they will know that I am their God and they will know that they are my people. They will be my people. And yet, post the cross, we have the best of security. We have the idea of security, of comfort, of warmth, of the true security blanket that's wrapped around us that we know we're safe. Because we have Jesus as our high priest. And remember the high priest would come into presence of holy God, the Shekinah glory of God, would come into the presence of God. He would have to be all prayed up and sinless. He would do his very best to stay in the right place because if he went into the presence of holy God and he wasn't, he would be struck down, dead. That high priest job was the holy job of representing all the people's sin. Jesus took that on on the cross. And he took on all of our sin and he became so ugly, God couldn't even look at him and made the world dark and turned his back on his own son. Planned in eternity from the beginning to do that, to take away judgment from us. The Holy Spirit indwells us to provide us with perfect security. Even in the storm, even when our destiny is sealed and we know our fate, 
Maybe we know that we're about to be killed. I was listening this week to so many stories of Christian martyrdom and how so many so bravely stood up to torture and the things that they had to stand up to in order to pronounce Jesus as Lord. They were strong in their faith, that their prayer was just that they would remain strong until their death, and they did it. And I was so overwhelmed with their faith and their endurance and their ability to see God. Like Stephen, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. They could see him even in their persecution. Another um, one of those movies that was based on a true story was a story about a Christian songwriter. And he married a young woman who was facing cancer. And they thought at one point that she was healed. And in one of his concerts, they just pronounced it. They had prayed over her in the concert. They believed it. And they were able to be married. It was just a miracle. But some months after their marriage, she was taken. And the scene of her in her last moments was one of those scenes that's gripping. And and she was suffering And suddenly she said, I'm healed. I'm healed. I don't feel any pain anymore. Tell everyone, please tell them that God has healed me. And and the, the young man got so excited and he ran out of the room to get the doctor. And moments later, she had gone to be with the Lord. And it took him some time to sort through that he missed the moment of her death, but he had heard the most important words, the words that she wanted him to hear, I am healed. Because that's what happens. That's our eternal security. Sometimes he doesn't heal us on this side, but he heals us. And she was recognizing that. She said, tell everyone, he healed me. The pain is gone. She was lying there one moment suffering, the next moment free of pain, and the next moment into the arms of God who loved her and chose to take her out and to take her into heaven. She had said all along, if just one person comes to God through my experience, it will have all been worth it. She was a true woman of faith. Like so many who are martyred in the faith, she chose to follow whatever it was that God wanted to happen for her. In her time of sickness, she was willing to go God's way. So we understand then that we are redeemed and that the hope of security might not be that it's perfect on this side. But while we are on this side, we have the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to encourage us, to take us to the next step, to give us the what happens to tell us and remind us that we win. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Christian today can see God's warnings in the Old Testament and take note that the prophecies were fulfilled and that God sent Jesus to save us from judgment, to save your friend from judgment, someone you should witness to from judgment. Hope in Jesus gives me eternal security. This is a temporary place that we're sojourning. And we do want one day to have the security of houses and vineyards and our family. But love is eternal. 
faith is eternal. And God's forgiveness and redemption is eternal. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I'm going there to prepare one for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now that is security. That's what the king of Tyre ignored. and That's what our world ignores. Sometimes we ignore it. Pride of life and possessions will bring judgment, but repentance and acknowledgement of Jesus as God brings eternal salvation and security. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this scripture. It's hard. It's hard to hear the warnings that you have given over and over to this world of your judgment. We know you're a pure and holy God, that we can't stand before you undone and blemished and sinful. And so, Lord, we ask that you wrap us in your swaddling clothes, put us in a manger where we can't keep on running around and getting hurt, that you just would make us turn our attention on you, lay us down beside the still waters, make us focus on you this new year, that you would just help us to heed the warnings, that we would be diligent in our witness, that we will be comforted when we feel insecurity by your Holy Spirit and by the hope of a future home in heaven with you. Jesus, we just pray all these things in your name. We thank you that you are our high priest. You have felt all of our sins and sorrow on your, you've taken them on as, as the scapegoat. And we, have pray, we just praise you for that. You took it all on so that we could be saved and cleaned up and made perfect before the Father. We praise your name for that. In Jesus' name, amen.